Welcome to this episode of the This Is Believeland Real Browns Fans Podcast. I am your host, James Mistrucci from This Is Believeland. I am joined by my co-host, Jordan Cohen from Real Browns Fans. And this is the first episode of the joint podcast between our two sites. Jordan, how are you doing today? I am doing really good. I'm really looking forward to kind of like the first official joint podcast. It's going to be awesome. And we have a special guest in this first episode of this podcast from Windy City Gridiron and the Draft Wire, we have Jacob Infante. Jacob, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I just got back earlier today. I spent the I spent the day up with family in Wisconsin, and I just got back, so I'm I'm all sunburnt and all that. So I'm just trying to you know enjoy this Fourth of July weekend and all that. But I- I'm doing pretty well. Well, it sounds like you had a better day than I did because I got to get a new hot water heater in my house. So um. yeah. Well, I guess my only question, Jacob, is the uh, Wisconsin family are they Packers fans or Bears fans? Oh well, so I have, I, I went with my, uh, like my mom and my brother. So you know, we're, we're all Bears fans, but I do have family up there in Wisconsin, and uh, they're actually Packers fans, believe it or not. Yeah. So. It's, you know, things get a little dicey uh, when football season comes around, but, you know, still love them all the same. Uh, you know, just a little a little bit of an awkward situation whenever the Bears, you know, go on and take on the Packers. And, you know, uh, things might be changing for the Bears' uh, way in, uh, coming up soon. You know, there could be a little bit of change going on with the Packers, but I, I guess we can get into that a little bit later. But we have changes with the Bears this season. Starting off, you know, Mitch Trubisky, that era's gone. They add in Justin Fields, and they signed Andy Dalton. So what do you make of all that as someone who covers the Bears? Yeah, so I've been on record as saying that I've been pretty strict on Ryan Pace in recent years, uh, especially, like, from a free agency perspective. Mm -hmm. And Matt Nagy, I've admittedly been a little harsh on him uh but i do think that he's you know a solid enough coach and there's potential for him to work with if he gets the right pieces in his offense but i think that the selection of justin fields just bought both of them a decent amount of time uh and give them a little bit more leeway in their job security because honestly i was pulling for uh just starting over Mm -hmm. this year and I think that their late little push to get into the playoffs, I think that kind of uh, had the Bears, like the higher-ups, the McCaskies and Ted Phillips, their uh, president, to say, okay, well, we made it to the playoffs. We see how you know the offense played poorly, and we still made it to the playoffs. Maybe if we move some things around, we can you know, build upon that. And I really wasn't a, a fan of what the Bears did in free agency. I think that releasing Kyle Fuller. Uh, I mean, I get that financially. It was a move that helped them out, but they had a lot of other moves they could have made. They paid, you know, a decent amount of money to Jermaine Effetti and sure mm-hmm. it's a one year deal, but I, sh- I still wasn't a huge fan of that. Uh, and, you know, eventually cutting Charles Leno jr. Like there are moves they needed to make to free up money. I just don't think that those were the moves that needed to be made. Uh, and then Andy Dalton, I think is, an upgrade over Mitch, uh, Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. Uh, but I have never honestly been a huge fan of paying a significant amount of money to, uh, to mediocre quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. And especially considering 
what uh, Andy Dalton's proven the last couple of years. Like he's, you know, near the tail end of his career, let's be honest. And yeah. I don't think, you know, there's not, not much that he hasn't shown. Like he is what he is at this point. So I, I wasn't a big fan of that move. Uh, I can't, I came to appreciate it a little bit more in time. Uh, but in the moment, I wasn't very happy with it. But the draft is where, you know, things change. And I've been a big fan of Ryan Pace, you know, as a drafter. Free agency, he's been extremely hit or miss. Uh, but the draft, I, I, I take Ryan Pace against most general managers in the NFL. Not all of them, but I take him up against most. And Justin Fields trading up for him, I think, was a fantastic move. And they didn't even have to move an incredible amount of draft capital to get him. Mm-hmm. Sure, they gave up the future first, but they kept uh, they kept their second and third round picks. Uh, I mean, eventually they dealt the third to move up in the mm-hmm. second round. But you know, besides the point, they didn't give up as much as I was expecting they would have had to in a hypothetical Justin Fields trade. And then moving up for Tevin Jenkins was another move I really liked. I was super high on Jenkins coming out. I wanted him if the Bears stayed put at twenty. And he fell all the way to 39. So I was ecstatic with that pick. And I like what they did in the later rounds. I think they have some potential uh, special teams contributors, good depth pieces, maybe a guy or two who can end up starting out of those uh, fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks. So overall, I say it was a decent offseason for the Bears uh, in the short term. But in the long term, I think it was really helpful simply because I think that getting Justin Fields and finally making a significant investment in offensive tackle. I think that was very not bears like of them, if that makes sense. (laughs) But yeah, I I, I was definitely pleased with the draft free agency. I have some, uh, some umbrage with from time to time, but I love their draft for sure. So is Jenkins going to start? Like I know last year we saw all of these offensive, like rookie offensive linemen, the Browns had one. But, like, there there was all over the league these rookie tackles were starting and, like, generally played pretty well. Is I mean, is the plan Jenkins is going to start? Yeah, they'll be starting Tevin Jenkins week one. I'm pretty sure of it. And I, I'm pretty sure that what their plan is, they're going to start him at left tackle right away because, uh, you know, they cut Charles Leno Jr. and freed up significant cap to be able to sign their – uh, they're rookies and they have a little bit of cap space where they can probably sign one more guy uh, like a, you know, a short deal if they wanted to, but they've got Jenkins now. And I think that he's going to be uh, the guy that they're going to slide in at left tackle, even though he played mostly right tackle at Oklahoma state. I think that's where they view him. And that's part of why they moved up for him because they view him so highly. So that's my guess. And then probably Jermaine Effetti at right tackle, but, I, I can see Tevin Jenkins starting right away at left tackle just because I don't necessarily see too much competition for him. I mean, you don't have too many other guys on the roster who have starting offensive tackle experience outside of like Elijah Wilkinson, who's, you know, more suited as a swing tackle at this stage of his career. Yeah. I mean, it feels like you guys are trying to do this thing where, and I, I'm higher on it because of Justin Fields than I usually am when teams try to do do this, where it's like you were given an opportunity because of fields to not have to rebuild, but kind of more retool. And I, it feels like you guys actually may be able to strike that middle ground really well, especially if that Aaron Rodgers guy leaves the division, right? Because then 
I mean, it feels like the path, even with Andy Dalton, even if Fields doesn't play the whole year, I mean, your team is just as good as any other team in the division, not better. I mean, I think. Yeah, I think that there's, uh, from a pure overall roster perspective, outside of quarterback, obviously, because Aaron Rodgers is, you know, far and away the best of the bunch. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, you know, there's a really debate otherwise at that point. But roster-wise, I think the Bears are pretty close to the Packers. I will I will give the Packers the slight edge because I feel like they've got, you know, a couple superstars at key positions like, you know, Jair Alexander's a stud at corner. Uh, David Bakhtiari might be the best tackle in the league. So, and, and a couple other guys as well on both sides of the ball. Devontae Adams, obviously yeah. a superstar. And they've got some, you know, good pass rushers too. So I, I th- I'd give the Packers a slight edge, but I do think the Bears have a good roster that's ready to win now. And I, I feel like I've been saying that for the, like the past three, four years now. They have a roster that's ready to win now. And they've, they haven't been losing a ton. I'll give them that they haven't been bad any of these past couple of years, but they haven't necessarily been great outside of uh, 2018. So now it's just a matter of can their quarterback play improve enough where they don't need a, uh, like an outlier season where they put up insane turnover production like they did in 2018 to kind of mask the offensive deficiencies that they had. Cause that's not something that's not the production you can consistently put up year after year. So if you can get some improvement on offense and just, you know, quality play on defense, because it's an above average defensive unit. If they can get, you know, even decent quarterback play and, you know, continue that above average, at least defensive play that they've been having the past couple of years, I think there's a chance this team makes the playoffs again. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, a lot of moving pieces and it's a tough schedule. There's potential if the quarterback play is good enough and, I, I have some I have some concerns on the roster, but I think that there's there's still a lot to like for sure. There are a, a lot of definitely interesting pieces on the Bears, and because of their their quarterback play the last couple of years, they've essentially been treading water. They haven't been necessarily good enough to be, you know, compete for a title, but not bad enough to actually get a high enough draft pick. And you know, with their approach to the quarterback position, they they brought in Andy Dalton, but we all know he has some deficiencies in his skill set. But he is someone who can do just enough if the right pieces are around him. Do the Bears have that? Uh, I feel like yeah, there are pieces in place, and like I do, I like some of what the bears have going forward right now. And I think that comparing uh, where Justin Fields is at right now with, you know, the wide receivers, the you know offensive line, the coaching staff, and just the pieces that are around him. I think that uh, Fields is in a better place than Trubisky would have been. Okay. Uh, just because I feel like, you know, Allen Robinson is miles ahead of any receivers that the bears had in 2017. Darnell. Dude, he is that. so good. Like he is so good. James and I had like, this conversation two weeks ago. Like, he may like I, to me, he is easily in the top ten receivers. Maybe top, but he is so good. Sorry, I just no, I, I oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I absolutely think he's top ten, and uh, if he's not top five, he's really close. He's a, a very talented wide receiver, and I feel like he doesn't get the credit uh, that he deserves simply because of the quarterback situation around him. So. 
that's why I'm hopeful as a fan, you know, not just as a writer who's, you know, covering this team and wants them to succeed so I can, you know, write more and, you know, all that fun stuff and get more views. But mm -hmm. uh, I think that Justin Fields now is in a much better position than Trubisky was. Uh, and and another, another thing I really like is the offensive minds that the Bears have on their coaching staff. You know, Matt Nagy has experience as offensive coordinator, as a quarterback's coach, as playing as a quarterback in the AFL. Uh, Bill Lazor's been around for a while as an offensive coordinator, offensive analyst, quarterback's coach, all that fun stuff. John DeFilippo, who got promoted to their passing game coordinator and their QB coach, obviously was the QB coach for Philly when they won the Super Bowl. And he's, you know, had a couple offensive coordinator roles here and there. Tom Herman, the former coach for... Uh, the Texas Longhorns, who's now an offensive analyst. So they've got some really QB-minded guys in that coaching staff who can work with Justin Fields. And that's not even mentioning the fact that you have two veterans and Andy Dalton and Nick Foles who have been to the playoffs, who have made it to a Pro Bowl. Uh, and in you know Dalton's case, he was a long-term starter in Cincinnati. And in Foles' case, he... Uh, was able to lead the Eagles to a Super Bowl stepping in, you know, late in the season there. So mm -hmm. guys who know what it takes to to win and know what it takes to be able to uh, propel younger guys around them. So I think that Justin Fields might be in as favorable of a position as a quarterback can get out in terms of those rookies. Uh, I'd say maybe uh, Trey Lance is in a better position because that Shanahan offense and mm -hmm. you know good receivers as well and a better offensive line. Uh, but I, I think that Justin Fields, when when you combine and you weigh in the talent on that offense, uh, I think that nudges him out over Trevor Lawrence, over Zach Wilson, uh, even over Mac Jones from in terms of surrounding cast because Mac Jones does have Belichick, but I, I really am suspicious about the so the weapons that he's going to have to throw to once he gets under center. Now, I, I do have a question about Justin Fields, because coming up to the draft and towards the end of his you know time at Ohio State, there was one recurring conversation in regards to Fields, and that was his processing ability. While I do believe a lot of it was overblown, I do think there is some merit to the conversation that he wasn't necessarily the fastest processor when he was in the pocket. Is that accurate, or where are we at with as far as processing goes for Fields? Yeah, so I don't have any concerns about Justin Fields' uh, intelligence. I feel like he's a sharp player who's able to pick up on things quickly, but I do think that there there is some reason for concern. I just think, you know, it's definitely overblown, I have to agree. Uh, and a big reason for that is just Ohio State's offense being different from just an NFL-style offense. There's still a decent amount that a quarterback has to read. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, so many option routes that receivers run and determining, okay, I got to adjust myself here to hit this throw to this side of the field and, you know, figuring that out on a dime like that. Uh, and he's also shown some flashes of being able to make those full field reads and going through progressions and hitting the check down and stuff like that. So I, I feel like sure th there's a bit of concern with him because sometimes, you know, he's a little bit late to, uh, you know, either get the ball off or to find an open man. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that will have to improve in the NFL. But I I have a lot of confidence that it will because, you know, by all accounts, he's a hard worker. He's, you know, a quick 
a learner, and there have been reports from, you know, that Matt Nagy said that he gave Justin Fields the playbook and showed him different concepts, and Fields was able to memorize it pretty quickly. And by the time rookie minicamp was, like, getting started, he was correcting receivers on the routes that they're supposed to be running. So I'm not too concerned. I I still would have taken him in the top three, honestly. Mm-hmm. That's just me. I, I think he's closer – to QB one than he is QB four or QB five, but that's just me. And you know, the NFL may seem to feel differently, or at least the teams that picked above the bears seem to feel differently. But I think that there's a lot to be excited about with Justin Fields, some concerns. Sure. But I don't think they're anything too massive. Well, and like, I I feel like too, when you look at that board, like before the bears pick, there were not a lot of teams that were, like, really looking for a quarterback. And, like, to me, it wasn't surprising the 49ers took Trey Lance, and it's not because, like, the Colin Coward thing. Like, Trey Lance feels like a Shanahan quarterback to me. Like, everything about Trey Lance just feels Shanahan-y. I think Trevor Lawrence was going to go number one no matter what, just yeah. because of the Jag. Like, it, it just, like, there was too much hype. Like, the Jaguars, had they not taken him, what would have been looked dumb at least until like we saw the outcome. And I think Lawrence is also just really, really, really damn good. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I don't love the jets pick, but like it's the jets and like, then there's like this weird gap. And I, I, part of me feels, and I've always felt this way. Like I would rather be Justin Fields getting paid a decent chunk less, but being in a situation where, I may be able to sit a year if the guy in front of me looks really good. And if not, and if I get to play, I have a pretty good supporting cast. Like Justin Fields won't need to process my, and like, this is, I mean, the Browns, it didn't work out obviously, but like that first year with Baker, I think they were trying to be in the same situation, which is ironic coming off the, the shit hole of a season they had before. But, but like that's, that is what they were trying to do. Like, it is. I mean, the Jarvis Landry move to the linemen they signed. And I feel like the Bears are, like, doing that, except, like, they actually have that. Like, defense is not sticky year to year. Like, we know that, like, whether it's analytics or, like, just coaching, eye tests, everybody says, like, year to year because so many things change on a defense because, like, interceptions and turnovers in general are just, like, kind of random. Yeah, it's not sticky, but like I think not being sticky only matters to a certain extent. Like the Bears still have like Akeem X is going to be back. Like I feel like you guys have like a baseline level of defense where Justin Fields doesn't even need to go and be perfect. Like he can just be like good. And if he really is digesting that whole playbook, which like I remember Nagy said, like I think it may have been last year or the year before, like he was not having Mitch throw like the whole, he, Mitch had like a very specific offense for him. And like, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I was pretty high on Justin Fields coming out and I'm really high on your roster. So I think like, I'm looking at this with just biased glasses a little bit, but I don't know. Like you guys just seem to be in such a great si- situation to me for like a guy like Justin Fields. It's a great situation to go to. Yeah, I agree, and, and especially when you brought up the Zach Wilson situation, which, you know, Justin Fields has pieces around him. A guy like Zach Wilson might not, 
And I think that that's something that is going to play in Fields' favor. And I think going forward, uh, and I'm sorry, do you mind uh, seeing the last part again, just to double check, just the, sorry about that. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, I just like, I think Justin Fields is like, I, I don't know. He It's a perfect situation. Like the defense is good, right? It, we know, we don't know how good it's going to be, but we know it's going to be good. The offense has a lot of skill position talent. Like your running backs are really good. Uh, and like, I think uh, what the kid from, I think Oregon, uh, Herbert, is that his name? Yeah, Khalil, Khalil Herbert. Yeah. He's a, uh... Yeah, Virginia Tech guy. Well, you have Virginia Oregon Tech guy drafted, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, Virginia Tech. Like, I and Montgomery is really good. I don't know. I just if I'm Justin Fields, I'm ecstatic right now. Yeah, definitely. And I think that there's a lot on this roster to like. I'll admit, I'm a little bit concerned about their lack of investment at the cornerback position. I mean, they've drafted corners uh, each of the last what three years. I want to say it is now in a row. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's three years in a row now they've drafted a corner, but only one of them has been uh, earlier than the fifth round. And they cut Kyle Fuller, and they, they brought in Desmond Trufant, who he's not bad, but he's dealt with injuries and he's getting older, so I don't know necessarily what expectations to have for him going into 2021. Uh, and Jalen Johnson's in a, you know had a very good rookie year. I'm very happy with that. Uh, so I'm hopeful he'll be able to step into a bigger role because they don't really have too many proven guys on the roster. So they need someone I, to step up. Yeah, I saw that on the new defensive coordinator. I'm uh, I'm gonna totally forget his name. Um, but but Desai, it's our, right? It's Sean Desai, uh, yeah, I, Sean Desai. Yeah, I, I saw that he was planning on using Jalen Johnson, like almost kind of like how the like that kind of shadow shadow role. Right, like yeah. the, how the Rams did Jalen Ramsey a little bit, like yeah. which I mean, I mean Jalen Johnson had a really good year last year. Like I don't know, as a Browns fan, I was like, damn, I would like that guy. <laughs> yeah, coincidentally enough, uh, and I know he got hurt. As a Bears fan, I was hoping for uh, Grant Delpit in the second round in 2020 over. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I admittedly wasn't a massive fan of the Cole Komet pick. Uh, I really like both Delpit and Antoine Winfield Jr. I was hoping that they'd be able to get one of those guys to pair with Eddie Jackson. But, yeah, yeah, I think Jalen Johnson, he's he did have a really good rookie year, and I think that that shadow role, exactly like you mentioned, you know, kind of in that Jalen Ramsey-esque role, uh, I, I think that's a good fit for him. I think that – I think Chuck Pagano was a little too vanilla with – how he called coverage, I think it was a little too bland, not disguising enough coverages, not letting guys truly run wild and uh, playing a little too passively, which I think you know, Kyle Fuller played in that sort of system well, where you can be a little more passive and you know let things come to you. But I think that still, e even with Fuller, when Vic Fangio was defensive coordinator, and I think it'll be the case with Jalen Johnson because, you know, Sean Desai is expected to be more similar to Fangio than Pagano. I think Jalen Johnson's going to be able to thrive in a new uh, system that can hopefully, from a fan's perspective, hopefully be able to take advantage of his abilities and press coverage and, you know, line him up closer to the line of scrimmage because that's where I thought he thrived coming out of Utah, and that's where I thought he thrived 
as a rookie. So other than that, though, I agree. I think that there's a lot to like about this Bears roster, at least for uh, 2021. Is there anything specifically that is, I don't know, like if there's a downfall on for the Bears in this season, it's going to be this? Like what is what is their Achilles heel, essentially? Yeah, so I will say outside of uh, the secondary, which, you know, I love Jalen Johnson. I think Eddie Jackson has potential to bounce back this year. Uh Tayshawn Gibson, just a solid safety. He's not yep. – he wasn't fantastic, uh, but he's not bad. He's not bad. He's not one of my favorite bad, Brown safeties of all time. Yeah. Yeah, he was really Adam good with the Browns a couple of yeah. years ago. And, you know, put some stuff together with the Jags too. But, you know, he, he's not bad. He's not bad, but he, he's not uh, as good as he was when he was in Cleveland, that's for sure. But he's outside of the stopped. secondary, since I know I've talked about them a little bit uh, – I at least in the short term, I'm a little worried about offensive tackle, just because you're putting Tevin Jenkins, a rookie at left tackle, mm-hmm. a position he doesn't have a, a ton of game reps in. He's played a couple games there. He started off at left tackle and practice a lot there, uh, heading into 2020. But he had to switch because one of his teammates got hurt. Uh, you got that going on the left side, and on the right side you got Jermaine Effetti, who is basically running unopposed unless Larry Borum, their fifth round pick gets the chance to, you know, really wow some people. But I, I think if Fetty is okay, he's a guy I wouldn't mind having as a swing tackle, as a guy who can play at guard and tackle. And, you know, that versatile, that sixth man on the offensive line, if you will, I have, you know, no qualms at all of having mm-hmm. him in that role, but as a full-time starter, I still think he's the weak link along that offensive line. Um, and, and time will tell because he moved around guard to tackle a couple times last year. So maybe just couldn't get into a rhythm. But I, I'm a little bit worried about that just in the short term because Fetty hasn't been great in the NFL. And Tevin Jenkins, as much as I like him, as much as I love that pick, you know, he's going to he's a rookie. I'm sure, especially being a left tackle, that there are going to be opportunities where he, he gets like a welcome to the NFL moment and he gets you know, beat off the snap or, or whatever it is that, you know, the case may be. I, I, that's what I'm a little bit worried about, at least for 2021, but going forward, I have a lot of faith in Tevin Jenkins. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, the other good thing in that situation is that welcome to the NFL moment probably comes when he goes up against Khalil Mack for the first time at camp. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Going up again, going up against Khalil Mack in camp, that's going to be an iron sharpens iron situation for sure. Like not a lot of, not a lot of rookie tackles coming out of this class are going to have as good of an opportunity as Tevin's going to have this off season. I mean, that kind of reminds me of what Jedrick Wills had here uh, last year in Cleveland going up against Miles Garrett in practice. Oh yeah. I mean, when you're going up against a guy that good, it's only going to help you. Well, and like they were saying, like, or not they, I was reading that like, it's not a dissimilar situation, right? I know, Wills was the first round pick, but it, it, same idea, right? This guy played right tackle in college, moving over to left tackle. Kind of an offensive line where you hope it's improved on last season, but not like it, you're not too sure. And all of a sudden, camp, this guy is going up against one of the best rushers in the game. And then you just hope, like, come season that it works out. Like, I don't know. I really like Kevin Jenkins. I actually. I, I don't follow the draft 
closely enough to know like when everybody's going to get picked. All I know is the Browns got JOK, and I'm ecstatic about that. But yeah. like, I, I thought, <laughs> I, I thought Tevin Jenkins was, I thought he was going to be a first round pick. Like just from like the little I had watched, like I, he was really impressive to me. Yeah, and I, uh, I've been on record. Tevin Jenkins was my top choice at 20, and I said it then. I'll say it now. Uh, I'm sure I'll say it a bunch of other times uh, leading up to the, you know, the draft here. So I mean, not the draft, the season, geez. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, being a draft guy, my head's just always stuck in draft mode. I forget there's an actual season going on, but <laughs> we're Browns fans. So you're good. <laughs> we, we know exactly uh, yeah. how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, yeah. I'm a, <laughs> I, I was surprised that Tevin Jenkins fell into the second round, honestly. And, Looking back on it, I know there are some concerns like injury-wise with him, but I, I honestly think that those were a bit more exaggerated uh, than they'll end up being. You know, in the long run, it's just a matter of oh, is he going to come back from this minor? I think it was like a hip injury or something. And by all accounts, he's practicing. He's you know at full speed and everything. So I'm hoping that that's going to you know, work out for sure. And I, I might just say JOK was a really good pick for the Browns in the second round. I was actually a really big fan of what you guys did in the draft this year, especially Greg Newsom in the first round. I'm a, I'm, I'm a really big fan of his. I think that he, his tape, like sure there are injury concerns with him, mm-hmm. but his tape, like it's legit. And I just had so much fun watching him. It's funny what you well, said about Tevin Jenkins, that you wanted him at 20, because I wanted JOK at 22 for the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's a, it's a I mean, very like, similar situation. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, like, I feel like, too, with Newsome, and this is something James and I have talked about, like, this dude was a great zone corner in college, and he's going to come in the NFL, and all this Browns defense does is zone corner. So he's yeah. going to run a shitload of zone. And it like it's kind of like these picks, and I, I think uh, even the Mitch pick for you guys when you guys took him, I I got the logic behind that pick. I think the process was good. It just ended up with the stinker kind of a, a quarterback. But like, I, I I liked it. I like what you guys have done in the draft, and I feel like it's kind of the same thing, right? You, yeah, it sucks to draft a guy based on scheme, but. The reality is NFL coaches are signed to fairly long contracts. And even as a Browns fan, like it's hard to fire a coach after one or two years. So you draft guys that fit those schemes. And I think yeah. you guys have done a really good job of that. Like fields fits what I think Nagy wants that offense to look like. Like when I think like kind of that Andy Reed tree fields fits that to me, Tevin Jenkins yeah. fits that to me. And I just think that's smart. Yeah, absolutely. And Another thing that I'm honestly looking forward to is Tevin Jenkins in that blocking scheme. Because once once they made the move to Juan Castillo last offseason, they went there, there was a, a notable uh, shift in mentality. And sure, the play still wasn't fantastic in 2020, but the overall mentality wasn't okay. You know, we're going to get in the way and you know just kind of stop you from you know getting in the backfield. It's no, we're going to, you know, go full speed ahead. We're going to drive you into the dirt. And I think that that's Tevin Jenkins to a T. I think he's he's really going to benefit. I'm expecting a lot more outside zone uh, in the run game, getting Tevin Jenkins that chance to take advantage of that straight line speed and his big frame and just 
build up momentum and then drive guys into the dirt. That's what I'm really looking forward to. Uh, and as to Justin Fields in the scheme, I absolutely agree. I think that he's going to, he's going to project as a good fit in that scheme going forward. And I think that Matt Nagy hasn't had as much of a chance to utilize nearly as much of the playbook as he's wanted to. So I'm going to be interested in seeing if Justin Fields is able to unlock uh, not only the potential of, you know, guys like Darnell Mooney, uh, Cole Komet, giving Allen Robinson uh, some more national attention that he arguably hasn't gotten enough of for, you know, how good he is. But you know, also for Matt Nagy, I'm hoping that as a Bears fan, Justin Fields is going to be able to, you know, put that all together and elevate Nagy as well as the players around him. And I'm really hoping for you guys over there in Chicago that you guys finally, you know, get a long-term situation at quarterback, you know, because the, the, we talked about, me and Jordan talked about it previously, the, the Bears situation at quarterback franchise, like historical-wise, has not been great over the past, I don't know, 40 years or so. So yeah. get, getting a, you know, a long-term answer to the to that position for the Bears would be just, it would, it would answer, I think, a lot of problems for them. But additionally for, you know, uh, Ohio State fans, it finally ends the conversation about Ohio State quarterbacks like not succeeding the NFL because they, they really mm-hmm. haven't, just like how outside of Carson Palmer, USC quarterbacks haven't been successful either. Yeah, and, and like I try my best to keep, you know, level-headed and say, okay, uh, you scout the player, not the helmet. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, like Patrick Mahomes, before he started balling out in the NFL – who is the best Texas Tech quarterback in the NFL? Like, and you know, the same with uh, Deshaun Watson and Clemson. Like, Clemson mm-hmm. didn't have, you know, a ton of success with NFL quarterbacks. So, I, I try and keep that in mind that a lot of it is, you know, just up to the player. But I, I, from an Ohio State fan's perspective, I can absolutely see getting annoyed with that. I have a friend who, you know, I've known since uh, like fourth grade, who's an Ohio State fan. Uh, and he and I talk every once in a while, and I, I already know, like, he is sick of the whole narrative Ohio State quarterbacks can't do well in the NFL, and uh, quite frankly, I'm kind of sick of it, too, because, again, it, I, I feel like it comes a lot to, you know, the player more so than the school that they come from, but, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm hoping for, you know, Bears perspective and, you know, for Ohio State fans that Justin Fields is able to succeed, and you know, kind of disprove the narrative that a Bears quarterback can't succeed and an Ohio State quarterback can't succeed. Well, well, to be fair, until one actually does succeed, you know, for for either, especially Ohio State, the the narrative's still gonna be there. <laughs> right. That's, yeah. That's... And like, I also feel like the like, uh, I don't know, Urban Meyer like notoriously does not love like a quarterback driven offense, and... but, but it even dates back to before him though. Yeah, no, I know, but not yeah. like Jim Pressel did not. Like, I can't remember the last time. I, I guess Dwayne Haskins was another one that I was really, I was really high on Haskins, and I think Haskins didn't work out in the NFL for reasons that go beyond like his abilities as a quarterback. But like I, Haskins and Fields, to me, like at least like I've been watching Ohio State off like off and on since like '98 or so. I, I can't remember I, two quarterbacks like that. Like, back-to-back, too. But, like, I mean, Troy Smith was, what, like, a sixth-round pick? Like, 
and he was pretty good. And like Terrell Pryor ended up not being a quarterback. Like I don't know. I just I I I don't remember having guys like Justin Fields. Like Fields is incredible. Yeah, and there wasn't necessarily like a run like USC had of you know like Mark Sanchez and Matt Barkley and right. all those guys that they had. They were just not very good. Sam Darnold. Right. Um, right. So I didn't have like a run of a whole bunch of highly drafted or at least semi-highly drafted quarterbacks that's been all over the place, across the board. Right. <laughs> but uh, after our little uh, small detour of draft talk, let's hop around the <laughs> NFC North for a minute. Um, so I, I know we touched on the Packers first, but it, it, or earlier, what do you think is going to happen with the Packers this year? Uh, man, I mean... There's such a wide level of variance. I know it's not necessarily a fair question for you because the whole Aaron Rodgers thing can completely <laughs> swing things one way or the other, but I'm going to do it to you anyways. How do you think the Packers are going to do? <laughs> uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. But, yeah, uh, I, I my gut says that Aaron Rodgers is going to stay with the Packers for at least another year. I think next year uh, we might see something different. I think that... 2022 at least in my opinion i my gut says that jordan love's going to be the starter for the packers next year Mm -hmm. but 2021 i think they're going to go with rogers one more time uh simply because i know the opt-out deadline already passed so you know that's already indicating that rogers isn't planning on you know sitting out Mm -hmm. unless he pulls something which truth be told i'm not as up to date on the cba and how that stuff all works as much as i'd like to be Mm -hmm. uh but my general assumption is that the Packers are going to roll with Aaron Rodgers. They're not going to trade him. Rodgers is going to play. And then after that, they're going to trade him. And then, then I don't know. I know there have been little rumblings about Devonte Adams having some displeasure. And if Rodgers goes, I think, I think Devonte Adams goes, I don't think Adams is going to want to stick around for, you know, an unproven quarterback like Jordan love and, you know, regardless of what Love's physical talent is, I think that Adams is, okay, I'm in the prime of my career. I'm one of, if not the best receivers in the league right now. I want to chase a title. I want to take advantage of my prime, and I want to, you know, I want to win something. So that's just my gut feeling. I think next year is the year they tear it all down, but 2021, I think they run it back. I think they win the NFC North again. Uh, do they win the NFC? I don't think so. I could see another NFC championship appearance where they lose. Uh, But ultimately I think that they're where they're at right now. They're close. I don't know if they're going to be on, on par with, you know, say the Rams, we'll see what happens. You know, now that they have Matthew Stafford, Uh, Buccaneers are returning all their starters. I think uh, 49ers coming back. All their guys are going to be healthy. I think they'll still make some noise. And, you know, there are a handful of teams that could also break out. So it's going to be tough in the NFC this year. I think the Packers will still win the division, but I think that this will be the last year of the Aaron Rodgers era. That's just my gut feeling, though. I also just, like, I know I, 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 I'm I not part of Team PFF here. Like, I I watch, like, I love kind of that this Shanahan scheme. Like, my hobby when the Browns aren't playing is watching other teams that play the Shanahan scheme. And I just, like, LaFleur is, like, at the bottom of my list. For, like, I, I know that, like, everybody's like, oh, well, if you look at Packers offense, 
they were incredible. And like beyond, well, yeah, they have probably the best quarterback wide receiver duo in the NFL, maybe in the NFL in the past decade, to be honest with you. But like, I, I, I just, I don't think LaFleur is that much genius of an offensive coach, at least compared to like Arthur Smith, obviously Shanahan, McVay, Stefanski, like there are guys that just do this better. And I just, yeah. I don't like, I kind of think last year was a little lucky, not entirely. Like they had a ton of talent, but I don't know, man. Like I, I they're, they're going to be a playoff team if they have Aaron Rodgers, but I just, I don't know how much better. I, I feel like LaFleur may be a handicap more than a positive boost. I'll, I'll keep it short. I was just going to say that from an outside perspective, I, I think Matt LaFleur is a solid coach. I don't think he's elite. I, I don't think he's in that upper echelon of you know coaches, and I think that the success of the Packers is more so because of their quarterback play and the talent that they have uh, rather than – him specifically, but I, I do. Th- I think Wolfler's solid if unspectacular, and I, I think once Aaron Rodgers leaves, I don't think they're going to blow it all up and get a new head coach because odds are they're probably not going to get a coach who's as good as Lafleur uh, if Aaron Rodgers isn't there. You know, let's be honest. I think that no Rodgers really takes away a lot of the shine of that job. So I think they'll keep Lafleur around. I think that'll be. You know, a pretty big test for him seeing, okay, has he been developing Jordan Love this whole time? Is he able to work around, you know, with Jordan Love's strengths and weaknesses and elevate him? Uh, And again, I I have no way of knowing exactly when that's going to be, exactly what year uh, Jordan Love's going to take over. But that's just my gut feeling, you know, from an outside perspective. I think LaFleur's solid, but... He's not bad, but he's not necessarily great. That's just my view of him, though. Um, yeah, no, I feel that. What I was going to say is one of Jordan's favorite words here is variance. And I think the <laughs> level of variance between a, a Packers team with Aaron Rodgers and one without Aaron Rodgers is massive. And I also believe that of the coaches that deploy this offensive system up to this point, that LaFleur's had, you know, head and shoulders above everyone else the best quarterback. Like, it's not even close. Because you're looking at the guys like Tannehill, Baker, Garoppolo, Goff, then you throw Aaron Rodgers in that conversation. It's one of these things is not like the other, and one's an elite quarterback, and everyone else is just kind of in that average group. So I, I think I think that matters quite a bit too. Yeah, definitely. I think that the the quarterback situation, at least for this year, uh, in the NFC North, it's Green Bay, and then there's a huge drop off in everyone else. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think Kirk Cousins is a solid quarterback. I don't think he's great. I, I think he's decent. He might get too much hate from other NFC North teams, uh, maybe too much praise from Vikings fans. But I, I think he's a solid, you know, average, slightly above average quarterback. And that's solid. But Aaron Rodgers is on such another level from anyone else in that division at the quarterback position. So. I think that's huge, and that's another reason I think. If if the Packers are choosing to keep Aaron Rodgers around and Rodgers plays, then they're definitely my vote to win the NFC North. I think they'll be able to come away with it in a, you know, a pretty big margin from uh, first to second place. Yeah, I mean, Rodgers is just – like, 
he won the MVP last year for a reason. Like he's still, I, he's not the best quarterback in the NFL, but I he's second or third. Um, I just like I I I don't know. I I still I think you're right. Right, if Rodgers plays, that team's gonna win it. Uh, win the division. If Rodgers does, if it's Jordan Love, like. I'm not high on the Vikings at all, uh, unfortunately, because I have like friends that are really good, really big Vikings fans. But I just I I don't see them. I mean I I don't know what maybe you can ask this. I don't know what the hell is going on in Detroit. Like <laughs> like I I I, I I I do not understand that team at all. Like I I my gut inclination was this is a team trying to rebuild. And Dan Campbell is, like, this guy that's going to, like, say, like, we're not going to wipe your butts and uh, all this other nonsense that leaves his mouth. But, like, it's going to be a great guys to do this rebuild under this coach that wants tough everything. But, like, then they're making moves that you're kind of like, are they actually trying to win? So I, I, I don't understand what the Lions are doing. I, I – I, the Vikings to me have been were the same are the same team they were last year. Uh, obviously, few kind of additions, but just like good enough offensive skill positions and quarterback, great running back, offensive line maybe better this year, but a lot of question marks. And then Zimmer and the defense is always going to be good. But like they're just they're solid to me. Uh, I think Kirk Cousins benefited a lot from Kevin Stefanski because. Every like I looked up every stat, like name your stat. Kirk Cousins was worse than everyone last year than he was the year before. And I know he didn't have digs, but I like I think Cousins is a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. He's like Joe Flacco was with the Ravens for us. Like, so like he's good. Not, not nothing more. He's good. I I don't know. Like I feel like if Rodgers isn't there though, you guys have a shot. Like Bears have a shot. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that there's uh, a lot to like there with what the Bears have, at least compared to the Vikings. I think that, you know, Kirk Cousins probably going to put together a better season this year than, say, Justin Fields would if he were to take over. But, uh, yeah, I, I I look at the rest of that division. If Rodgers isn't on the Packers and, you know, things fall apart there, I honestly think the Bears are the next team up. Just because, look, I, I think the Vikings have a solid roster. I think they've done a pretty good job with accumulating draft picks. Uh, and they've made some solid moves there. I just don't know how high their ceiling is with Kirk Cousins. And I don't know if their defense is, you know, up to par with, you know, say the Bears, the Packers in that division. So I, I, that's just my gut. If Rodgers isn't there, and assuming Jordan Love doesn't immediately pick up where Aaron Rodgers left off. I think the Bears would be the favorite. Uh, my my assumption is they'd be the worst division winner out of the four NFC divisions because I think the NFC East will be a bit better uh, this coming year, which, you know, not a high bar, but that's just, you know, where I think if guys are healthy. But, yeah, I, I think that the Bears are slightly going to have the upper hand for me uh, over the Vikings. I just think that, they have some solid pieces in place. I don't know if there's as much of a you know risk reward factor as there is with the Bears, where you've got a young quarterback 
who's got a lot of potential to work with. Uh, yeah, that's just me. And the, the Vikings are a solid team, though. I think they'll compete for a wild card spot. But in the end, I don't know if they have what it takes to consistently uh, deliver down the stretch. And you're taking the Lions? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Lions, man. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. Penny Sewell was a really good pick for Detroit. I, and I'm, I'm dreading that pick as a Bears fan for years to come because he's the highest uh, graded offensive tackle that I've had on my draft board since I've started scouting. So, I'm, I'm a really big fan of Penny Sewell, and I think that he's got plug and play potential day one. Very good starter. Uh, I can see a Pro Bowl in you know the pretty near future for him, just going off of what I saw with his uh, tape at Oregon. But yeah, with the Lions, there's just a lot of pieces missing there. Uh, good foundational draft for what the Lions want to do. You know, fighting in the trenches. Uh, I think their offensive line is going to be pretty solid this year. Uh, I think they have some pieces on the defensive line that are intriguing to me. I like the two defensive tackles they drafted, uh, Levi and Muzurike and Aline McNeil. Uh, but I just feel like there's too much missing. I think that they're not they're not going to have a very good passing game. TJ Hawkinson's a stud, but outside of that, you're not looking at too many uh, starter caliber players at the wide receiver position. And the run game could be solid. I think DeAndre Swift can be a good starter and he can take a, a step up in year two, but man, I, I just don't see that high of a ceiling for that offense when, you know, Jared Goff's your quarterback. He's not garbage, but I don't necessarily think he's all that good either. And your, your top receivers you're throwing to are like Tyrell Williams, uh, Quintez Cephas, Brashad Perriman. That's mm-hmm. not necessarily an elite group of guys there. So I, I just think there are too many pieces missing for them to do any damage. I think that they'll be picking my gut says in the top five of the 2022 draft, and they'll be looking for a golf replacement, whether that be Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, uh, Malik Willis, I can go on and on, but regardless, <laughs> I think, I think they will be, I think they will be in the quarterback hunt uh, come next year's draft. Yeah, that, that's very fair. And uh, would you say all the people that have been wanting the uh, all the Lions fans? Let me let me correct that. All the Lions fans that have been wanting to move on from Matt Stafford for the past I don't know eight to ten years are going to be eating some crow after about I don't know week four of this season. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think that you know say what you want about Matthew Stafford, and you know he doesn't have any playoff wins or whatnot, but he's a he's a talented quarterback, mm-hmm. and I think that just because of the teams he's been around, he might end up being the most underrated quarterback, uh, at least of the 2010s decade, if not the, you know, the 21st century. But uh, yeah, yeah, I I think that Lions fans, at least in the short term are going to be, you know, they're going to be eating their words. They're, they're going to be in a good spot though, because they were able to get two first rounders out of that. I think that'll help them with this rebuild they're going through, but in the short term, I'm sorry, Lions fans, it's probably not going to be pretty. Yeah, James and I, like, halfway through the season when Baker had, like, yet to have, like, more than two good games under Stefanski and just looked bad. The rest of the offense looked great and Baker just looked bad. I think we had, like, a whole podcast where we the plan was not to do this and we ended up just talking about, like, how great it would be to have Matt Stafford in this offense. 
And yeah. like I, I think we'll see the very similar thing this year in LA. Like I think Stafford's going to be really good under McVay. Um, and my, I hope he is. Like I hope for Stafford he is. But yeah, that Lions team is just. I read like Jared Goff was having a terrible camp or a terrible uh, OTAs, like with like connecting with Perriman and stuff. So yeah, I'm not feeling good there. Yeah, I think that, you know, from a Rams perspective, I'm really excited to see what Stafford can do with that offense with McVay calling the shots and, you know, the talented weapons. You got Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. Uh, I know they brought in, they got uh, Tutu Atwell. They drafted, signed Deshaun Jackson, Van Jefferson, the whole deal. They've got some talented weapons, a really smart coach, and a, a, a good overall roster. I, I always thought that, sure, the Rams have some, they have some flaws on their roster, uh, but the quarterback position I was, you know, really worried about for them going forward. And now I think that they got Matt. Now that they have Matthew Stafford, now that they have some pieces on defense now to work with, uh, I think that that's a Super Bowl contender right there in LA. Yeah, I'm with you. And. Uh... I, I got one more thing for you. Uh, I just I thought of it kind of a fun little game here. I'm going to put you in the in the position of Andrew Barry of the GM of the Cleveland Browns. I want you to rank the, these three players in priority for contract extensions. Are you ready? All right, let's do it. Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Denzel Ward. Oh man. Okay. Uh. Because I, I want an outsider's perspective. There's tons of discussions about this in Cleveland, and if if when you, if you don't say the right answer, everybody gets mad, and you will you know come at your house with pitchforks. So I want to know what your perspective is from not being in Cleveland. Let's see that. I'm not gonna lie; that's pretty difficult. Uh, I think that I I personally really like Denzel Ward. I don't know exactly where Browns fans stand on him, but. I like him a lot. I think that when he gets the if I know he's missed a handful of games with uh due to injury and all that, but I think that there's a lot to like with him. So I'd say Denzel Ward number one. That's just me because We agree. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's a lot of a lot of weight off my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> uh and then number two, you know, I I've Obviously, quarterback is a much more valuable position than running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, again, I don't know how sold I am on Baker Mayfield just yet, simply because I think from an outsider's perspective, Baker Mayfield is a solid quarterback. He's not bad. He's definitely better than a lot of what the Browns have had in recent years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll still go Baker 2 and okay. then Chubb 3. It's it's close, though. And the reason that I say that is because I'm a little bit worried about uh, handing over a, a crap ton of money to, you know, a quarterback who hasn't proven much, to be much more than average because once you're tying a ton of money to an average quarterback, it can be tougher to build a team around them. Uh, but just that, I, I think that Chubb is a really good running back. But, you know, statistically, the running back position uh, tends to, you know, wear out a little bit quicker than other offensive positions. And 
the value might not be as big mm-hmm. as you know other offensive positions and so I'm gonna go Baker two Chubb three that's just my opinion on it uh, and I- I'm excited to see what the Browns can do this year because I really like that roster you guys have in place uh, and-, and I like Baker I really do I think that he has some potential still to tap into and I wouldn't be shocked if you know they're running it back you know they're winning the AFC North. And they're, you know, taking a deep run into the playoffs. But uh, I, I don't know. That's just where I'm at on that. Uh, if you guys, you know, feel free to let me know because I'd be interested in hearing what you guys think, you know, being able to, you know, watch them more often than I can. Yeah, I'm – I would say Ward 1, Chubb 2, Baker 3. I I like I, – I think I am where you are on Baker. My – I like Baker – the problem for me is, like, you have, like, quarterbacks that are solid, like Kirk Cousins, that are solid because, like, they don't have highs. And, like, Kirk Cousins has highs and lows, but, like, generally speaking, you know what you're getting when Kirk Cousins plays. And it's not spectacular. It's good. Yeah. It's fine. The problem with Baker is Baker is, like, he'll – he has games where you are, like, you want to slam your head against the wall. It's like, what is this guy doing? And then he has games where he looks like a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, but it's so varied and there's no rhyme or reason to it. And to me, like it it depends, right? I, I, I think for me, it's if Baker comes in this year and obviously plays well, like could just consistently well, I'd put him to Chubb three. Uh, If they could get Chubb on like a Derrick Henry type deal, I think you have to do it. And like, is a big like fan of analytics and less of PFF, but like of analytics, like I get it. Like I get shot the shot, like a running back just doesn't have as much value, but like if your quarterback isn't good and you're in this offense, like we've seen it, like you need to be able to run the ball. So I don't know. I'm torn. I guess I'm like ideally ward one Baker two, Chubb three. I think I may end up actually Ward one, Chubb two, Baker three. And I'm at I'm at Ward Chubb the Baker, and it's only because I know Chubb's performance outside of this offense is still excellent. Baker's hasn't been, so I'm I'm looking right. at I'm looking at the player, at his whole body of work, not just what he did for me lately. And yeah, it's just he's Baker for me is too, still too inconsistent. He still makes some dumb moves and some dumb plays during a game. But he, it seems like Stefanski reined him in a little bit that they can make it work. But I, I think at the end of the day, the, the question is, is it Baker making these plays or Stefanski guiding him into these plays where he has some of, if not the best group of skilled position players in the league. So that that's well, where like, I'm at. One thing I'll say on Ward, too, and like, Jacob, I hope this isn't like salt in the wound with the Cal Fuller thing, but like (laughs) cornerbacks are just like such an underpaid position for what they contribute that like to be able to get a guy like Ward for that money, like whatever the money is going to be for what it is. Like, I I just think it's really valuable. Like Ward, when he's healthy, is a shutdown that side of the field type guy. Um, So I, for me, it's like Ward one, just because of like the financial value you're going to get for a guy like Ward. And then there's kind of a gap. And then it's 
probably Chubb two Baker three right now, but I reserve the right to move Baker all the way up to one, depending on how he does this season. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah, and I, I appreciate that, and I, I, I could definitely see where you guys are coming from with that, and I think that, in it, it, as of right now, if Baker has you know, another season like the one he's he had last year, then I probably would move Chubb to two. Uh, if you can get Chubb for like 13, you know, 13 and a half, 14 million, maybe I think that's the sweet spot for him. If he, if he gets into like McCaffrey territory, then at that point, I think you're starting to say, Whoa, okay. You know, is he worth this much? Right. But yeah, I, I, I'm glad to hear that you guys do agree that, you know, just generally where we're at with Baker, like I like him. I don't know if I like him enough to give him a long-term massive extension, like, I, and I don't know what the Browns will do. I'm not tied in enough to, you know, be able to predict that. But I know it's definitely a debate worth having for sure. Well, it seems like they're they're not necessarily in a rush to to get a deal signed before the season. At least that's what a lot of the uh, reporting has been. But you know, if it were up to the fans and you know certain people that cover the team, they would have had the deal done like as soon as the season was over. But um, uh, it just it seems like they're not necessarily in a rush to sign into some big mega deal, but I'm I'm okay with that, and it seems like it, it seems like at least everyone should be okay with that. You know, considering what we know about Baker and what we know about quarterbacks similar to him who has signed long term mega extensions and have since moved this past off season. Yep, <laughs> Jared Goff, <laughs> Carson Wentz, <laughs> uh, yeah, those two, but. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us on this episode here. The first of the joint podcast between This Is Believeland and Real Browns fans. You can find the podcast available on both websites in addition to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and my YouTube channel. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, Jacob, you want to go ahead and plug your stuff again? Yeah, absolutely. So y'all can find me on Twitter at Jacob Infante 24. That's Jacob I N F A N T E 24. Uh, you can find my bears work over at windy city gridiron. And I do NFL draft stuff over at the draft wire as well. Remember to go check all that stuff out. Jacob does great work. Thank you so much, Jacob. And this is, this was a great episode. So I really appreciate it going to be a great one to listen to yeah absolutely i mean thanks both of you for having me on uh and james it was nice to talk to you again and jordan it was a pleasure getting to chat with you as well so you know thank you to the both of you for having me on uh i i had a blast that's for sure Mm -hmm.